Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 250. And just before we get into the episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody that has helped with the podcast in any way, shape or form, whether you've shared it, whether you've been on as, as a guest, where you've, whether you've recommended a guest or whether you are just one of the listeners that listen every single week and support us with the show. I really do appreciate everyone listening which has led to us getting to this point at 250. There's no plans to stop the podcast. It's The plans are to make it bigger and better than ever and continue getting the amazing guests that we've had on the show so far. So that all comes down to the popularity of the show and um, word of mouth, spreading good messages about the podcast through social media, through your groups that you have. Um, at your clubs or your peer groups, family, friends, all the rest of it. So a massive thank you to everybody that listens and supports it on a weekly basis. I really do appreciate it. I knew that this week we had to get a big guest on. None better than somebody that is coming off the back of an incredible season last season. Um, Somebody who got promotion with Luton Town and then also went on to experience an amazing tournament with the England under-21s men's team where they obviously won the Europe, the European Championships and that's James Redham. James is the Head of Performance Development at Luton but he's also a Physical Performance Consultant for the England men's under-21 team so it's brilliant to speak to James. We spoke about obviously the success the the squads that he's been involved with have had over the previous season we spoke also about the difference from on a practitioner level from working with players at a club where you've got them on a day-to-day basis and then the national team approach where they'll come out for a camp for a certain amount of weeks and then they'll go back to their clubs and then also the, the tournament experience as well where you've got them for a little bit longer but obviously it's all about keeping players fresh and ready for the next games and he spoke about that and the intricacies of each individual game how style of play affects that as well, which was really interesting. He also spoke about his process for reflecting on the previous season and what that is also going to look like going into the next season with Luton into the Premier League. And he touched on as well some of the things that have gone on at Luton over the last few years that have led to this success as well. Because I mentioned in the episode that it it hasn't just been the previous year where they've got that promotion to the Premier League if you look at the finishes over the last few seasons they've been right up there so there's obviously something very special going on at the club and it was great to tap into that with James as well so I really hope you enjoy this episode I'm sure you're going to take plenty away from it. This episode is going out on the day that we are going to be at Hillsborough for a networking event at the stadium. We don't have any confer- any more events confirmed as this podcast goes out but we're very close to getting a few confirmed so keep an eye over on our social media at football fit fed on twitter instagram on our linkedin as well as soon as we get information on that we will be sending it out we've got plenty of events in the pipeline but just on that if you are keen to host an event we've had a few people re- reaching out recently at places that we haven't been to before as well if you're keen to uh, host an event or speak in an event please let me know because we are looking to book in some dates for the remainder of this year and into next year as well. Just before we jump into the episode with James, I just want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, the Good Prep 
The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level, and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite-level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark, and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. Plus, you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more, and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also, a huge thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel, or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. And last but not least, our longest standing sponsor doing some incredible work. Make sure you go and check out Rezzle. A big thank you to the guys at Rezzle. And let's get into episode 250 with James Redden. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 250. I'm delighted to welcome onto the onto the podcast today, James Redden. James, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ben. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm good. excited good. about this one because it's been hey. a, a pretty hectic period for you recently, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a full-on, uh, let's say, eight weeks. But uh, no, thank you for the invite. It's great to be here. And like, I don't know if there's anything being the 250th, but I'm taking it as a... It's a badge of honour being a 250. It's impressive, mate. Hundred percent. I know I had to step up and deliver a top guest. No, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for freeing up the time. I know, like yeah. I have mentioned, it has been a bit of a crazy period. So I want to get into that um in a little bit. But I want to start where we always start on these. Let's just hear about you and your story. What's led you up to your current roles? So um I went to uni, went to Loughborough Uni um, at school, did, did an undergrad and then a master's there in exercise physiology. Undergrad was sports science and maths. Um, I was quite good at maths, but didn't really like it. And I really liked sports science, but I wasn't that good at it. So combined the two. And then I did exercise as my master's. That was good. And it was great. Really, really enjoyed that four years. And then um, was really lucky to come out of that into an internship at Tottenham. Um, that was 2011. Um so they, they advertised through the university and yeah, I got a, an internship with the first team, um, which was brilliant. You know, like a, 
it was such an amazing learning experience that. Um, and then I was at Tottenham for eight years. So I stayed at Tottenham for eight years, hung around long enough. So they uh, they gave me a full-time job. And uh, yeah, like just an amazing eight years. Learned so much, worked with some great people, great coaches, great players, and, and was lucky enough to kind of get between some stuff in the academy, um, stuff as an intern with the first team, and then finished up as a, as the senior first team sports scientist um, for the last four years. Um, and yeah, saw four different managers and just got the whole range of everything at Tottenham. It was a, it was a really, really great learning experience for me. Um, and then in 2019, I, I left Spurs and came to Luton. That's when I came to Luton as head of sports science when Luton um, first came up into the championship. So that was four years ago. Um, and yeah, that, that was a great step up. Like I, I'd probably got a bit of a sheltered experience of football being at Tottenham. Like it was an amazing experience, but um, we moved to the new training ground and the new stadium and everything. And sometimes got referred to as Disneyland, that place, you know, because it was a bit like it's, a, it's such an amazing place, but it's not, um, it's probably not the norm or, you know, it's, it's the it's the 1% in football. So um, it was, it's been so great coming to Luton and, and seeing a little bit of a different side and probably a smaller team and a bit more responsibility and um, did the head of sports science role for two years over that crazy COVID period and then moved into a, a different role, head of uh, performance development, which um, overarches the cover a little bit more, a little bit more removed from the first team, which again has been brilliant, like kind of a bit more of a macro view of things and um, being able to to work with the club to develop as a club rather than just kind of going game to game working with the first team. How's that influenced your day-to-day then, James, in terms of your responsibilities on a daily basis at the training ground? So it's a little bit wider spread. It's a little bit um, more unknown, kind of changes a lot day-to-day. You know, when, you, when you're the head of sports science role, you come in, coaches meeting, medical meeting, activation, warm-up, and kind of go through a similar routine and then go around, around the matches. Now, um, I support the first team, kind of filling gaps where they need to, like, do quite a bit of early stage rehab, linking with our consultant nutritionist to make sure the nutrition side's going really well. Um, and then a lot of the role is working with our younger players that are training with the first team to make sure they're getting the physical development they need um, to hopefully become an asset for the club, you know, play for the first team and become an asset for the club. So um, some days that's going out and doing extra work on the field. Some days that's staying in the gym and doing a bit. Some days I'm sitting back and writing a nutrition philosophy for the club, you know, so... Um, it's been great. And like the academy stuff is really, really get your teeth into stuff, you know, like stuff that we can make really great games at Luton. So um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a bit more. Love doing the day to day, but that step back and a bit more of a strategic, a little bit, you know, but maybe, maybe that's overplaying it. Just a little bit more of a, a macro view and, and see where we can get the most bang for our buck as a club, you know, it's, it's been a really good learning for me. I suppose it's tying in with, I know I know it's something you probably touch on in terms of the journey the club have come on so far in these last few years, but also the vision of, I'm guessing, where they want to go in the next few years as well, isn't it? Yeah. Getting someone in that, like yourself in that role. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, I think um, the primary is the first team winning games, you know, the first team need to win games and, and, and hopefully progress up the leagues. But under that, we need to have a really nice foundation where... The club is sustainable, developing players from within, um, producing assets which might bring the club 
me, you know, we're, we're, we're a club with a smaller budget than, than other clubs around us. So um, that's a great way for the, for the club to um, bring assets into the first team, but also bring, bring money into the club. Um, and there's probably been, um, over the last few years, such a great rise in the first team that stuff has maybe not progressed at the same rate, you know, very difficult. Club have had four promotions in seven years or eight years, you know, so it's difficult for the rest of the club to catch up with that. But um, that work being done now and developments to the training ground and a new stadium hopefully sets Luton Town up for the next 30, 40 years, you know, to be a really good, effective football club. Yeah, it's been an incredible rise, hasn't it? And I mean, even obviously this this last season just gone as we record this, they see the promotion. But even before that, the, the few seasons before that have been super, super successful in terms of the finishes in the league and that as well, haven't they? So it, it's probably a really hard question, probably not one that you can put up one or two answers to. But where, where do you see the difference? What's been the difference to that, do you think? The difference between the leagues? Between, well, between the leagues, but also just with the between... Like, what's the reason they've been pushing so high with the lower budget and, and all the rest of it that comes with the club? It's an incredible few years, isn't it? Yeah. I think, first of all, the club, it's really well run, you know, and it's kind of an obvious thing to say, but they run the club really well in a really sustainable way with a strong culture. And that culture goes from me to the players, to the academy, to the groundsmen, you know, and... um they've managed to keep that. And like, by the way, I've been really lucky to jump on board with this journey. Like that, I, I jumped on board four years ago. The club were doing amazing things before then. There's guys that have been here since the conference who've like been with the club that whole way. So I felt really lucky to jump on board that journey. And, and as soon as you come in, you appreciate the culture. And um, if you're on board with that, then that's pushing, driving, improving, and not really doing that with financials, you know, being innovative and hard work, being a good person, you know, that their their values that the club value as a player and as a practitioner, you know, like and the players group have really got that as part of them, hard work and good people, you know. And when you run a club well and you've got those values, I think it, like that's a real recipe for success. You know, it sounds easy. It's not easy to implement, but if you can, like things kind of fall into place. It feels that way, you know, like well run with good people. I really like that you said that because the episode that we put out last week was with Matt Wilmot and it was all about culture and what's more important, yeah. the culture or the programme and all that sort of stuff. And that just ties yeah. in with that, doesn't it? It's so, so yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like the culture, like... And someone asked me the other day, like, it's not really explicitly written down here. You know, I couldn't... I probably couldn't... If you asked me that Luton's culture, I couldn't tell you in three words or, you know, whatever gets summed up and put on a wall. But it's like... It's kind of inherent about the place. And I was thinking the other day about the Kenny, the Kenworth Road, like the stadium. If you're a practitioner or a player that signs up to come in and that be in your home stadium, it's like implicit in, right, this is what we are as a club, you know. Mm. Like we might not we not might not be pretty, but like we really value our history, we really value hard work and 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 the, the stadium's like the embodiment of that, you know, like if you turn up to that stadium and go, "Now nah, this isn't for me, then you're not right for our culture, you know? So, like, this, this, the stadium's a real kind of level up for us. Yeah, that's brilliant. Really good to hear. On top of that, though, obviously going through that, the long season, the promotion, you then go away with England. 
Because a, yeah. a role of yours is to consult and physical performance coach for the England men's under-21s as well, which I'm sure yeah. a lot of people will have seen the success that they had in the in the Euros as well. So that's something I want to dive into. You've had the success of, with Luton and then also going away and getting that with England. Give us a little bit of perspective on the, on the, the sort of emotions and everything that you went through with those two achievements. I think I'm probably still processing it a bit, genuinely. I think I'm probably still kind of levelling out on it a little bit. Um, Luton's amazing. And that, that playoff final is, I think it's the best game in football, you know. I think it's 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 kind of not at that high, high level where there's a lot of media around it, you know, but it's proper football. It was amazing, Wembley Stadium, and with a group of people, players and staff that deserve it so much, you know. like That was a real amazing feeling. Then I had... Um, with the celebrations and the bus tour and all that. Then I had six days and then I was in with England. So I think I was still coming down off that when I came into England. And um, luckily we'd done a lot of work and, and the FA are brilliant at this, at planning and organising. So everything was kind of in place. So that week leading up to it was, I could enjoy the celebrations because we knew we had a ducks in a row with England. Yeah. Um, and probably was quite nice to, go again, you know, to go like, okay, let's go again and let's try this new challenge, you know. And then um, that, the tournament was amazing. Like, uh, again, really lucky with England. I jumped in halfway through the qualifier and I started in March 2020. So I jumped on the back of the last qualifying games and we got qualified and then was involved in the planning. So I feel really lucky to have jumped on board with that. But the whole tournament was brilliant. Like, I've never experienced tournament football before. Um, the group were brilliant. They'd kind of come of age at a great time and matured to be really, really top professionals. Coaching staff were great. The organisation was great. And um, yeah, I loved I loved the whole month. And, and I've said to people since I've got back, it was probably the first time in my career where I was able to enjoy it in the moment. Like I was every day I was going, this is great. You know, and we're working hard and doing stuff, but going, I don't want to go home. Like, I'm having a great time here. Like, <laughs> let's go again. And we're winning games and the lads, were, like, you know, it was, I feel really lucky to have been involved in it. Brilliant. I want to focus on this from a practitioner perspective now as well, because we have spoke about this a little bit with a few other people, but the club role, being day-to-day in the club, um, seeing players all the time, compared to that international role where you obviously you've had a period of time there at a tournament where you'll spend a little bit more a little bit longer with players but a lot of the time you're getting players for a few weeks and then they're going back to the clubs aren't they how have you yeah. found that as a practitioner in terms of your responsibilities and how that works yeah it's completely different you know and like I've learned so much over the last 18 months in that role like it's it's almost like a like a polar opposite role you know like it, in club football, and by the way, the tournament felt a lot more like club football because yeah. we had, so that kind of felt more normal. But the, and on the camps, there's a real intensity to the camps, you know, which you can't sustain in club football, but you can do for 10 days. And the intensity is great because you can be effective, but you need to be effective, you know, like effective players um, with every conversation, you know, whether that's building building on relationships and talking about nutrition and oh what about if you got a chef when you went away like do you think that would help you you know trying to help these lads develop as professionals for themselves but that also feeds back into England you know and and um every conversation has to be effective and and you have to try and get squeeze as much as you can out of those 10 days with that group as possible 
and actually probably the physical on my side has to take a step back yeah in that in that situation you know the coaches have got a lot to get across and probably two games in in nine or ten days so um the physical like there's there's certain individuals and certain players that need it but actually they come in from playing games and they're fit and they're ready to go you know so so in in the club space you're always pushing and here we're pushing like if we have a free week work hard work hard like we want to physically improve get better get better the national team like that's not that you have to park that part of your brain and go like let's prime them let's get them ready for the game you know Mm -hmm. and and if we get everyone in and send everyone back to their clubs in a good place, we've done a really good job, you know, and won two games at the side of it. That's success, you know, rather than excellent physical outputs in games, you know, because we're just looking after them for 10 days. So um, it, it always takes me a day or two when I get in to switch between, I don't think we've done enough there. I don't think we've pushed them. And then you realise we're not here to push them, you know, we're here to look after them, get everyone on the same page, let the coaches prepare them. And, and keep them available for two games, you know. Um, so I, I really hope that um, the clubs think we've done a good job of that. Like that's that's the aim, you know. And and it's a really strong objective for the coaching staff and and myself, you know. Send the boys back in a good place and hopefully a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more insight into the physical side of of what they need to be top international footballers. Yeah, brilliant. What I'm interested in as well, especially with this change in your role at Luton now as well, is the, some of the skills that you feel you've developed or require more in those two circumstances. So being at Luton in this role that you're in now and also with England, um, being on a, when I say short term, I just mean the amount of time that you're spending with players. What are some of the key yeah skills, attributes that you as a practitioner, you feel like that you need to utilise the most? I think so. England, the things I've learned over the last 18 months in England is the beauty of international football is you've got time to plan and organise. You don't have that in club football, but that's so powerful, you know, and, and, and if you use that time, when you're then on camp, everything runs so smoothly, you know, so... I think in club football, you kind of get used to doing things on the cuff because you have to, because a player comes in ill and you have to change things and adapt numbers and stuff. And so that's quite a good skill set to develop as a practitioner. But with the national team, you've got the time. So you can say like, no, okay, this is going to be the recovery modalities we do on day one, day two, day three. And like, we're going to periodize that and it's all going to be really organized. And, and because we know we've got them for this amount of time, we know exactly what the activation and the warm up can be each day. That took me a while to get into because I was just used to being like, oh, it's all right, we'll just turn up and, you know, the players and we'll see how they're feeling and then we'll react. And and actually, once you get into the mindset of actually planning an organisation, that makes that ship sail so much smoother, you know, and mm-hmm. and especially in the, the 21s is a, a relatively big organisation. You've got lots of staff and the communication is only on camp. So you need to be able to work well with people in the short term and have effective relationships, planning help those relationships be effective you know when maybe you haven't got that that long-term relationship with the people um so yeah and the, F, and the FA do that brilliantly you know they plan brilliantly and and, and they're brilliant at that. um with the with the Luton role like I think the uh, and probably marries up with the 20 with the 21s as well is like um the life outside of the first team and winning you know in football there's so many merits to to working in a football club and it's not just three points on a Saturday, you know. And when I say about 
speaking to a Premier League footballer about getting a nutritionist, you know, I take real satisfaction in them then hopefully improving themselves as professionals and going away. And that's nothing to do with three points or winning the Euros or getting promoted, you know, but it's probably as enjoyable, you know, and it's and working with the academy to develop a real good, robust physical programme. So when the boys come up to train with the first team at Luton, they stay there and they don't bounce back because they, they get a soft tissue injury or anything like that. There's real satisfaction in that, you know, and, and I think probably the intrinsic rewards from that rather than the extrinsic ones of, of three points or, you know, external validation. Um, I've learned because that's part of the role, but also, yeah, maybe with age and experience, you kind of take those wins a little bit more than you take the, the three points wins, you know. We've got an exciting few weeks coming up on our online community. We've got some great content coming. We've got a presentation or a webinar on load considerations for academy players. That's coming very soon. We've also got a webinar called Developing and Implementing Power and Strength Training Programs for the Off-Season to In-Season Phases in Elite Football. That's by Paudie Rose. She's been on the podcast before at Arsenal Women. So really looking forward to seeing that one. And also a velocity-based training presentation. That's going to be from our event at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so really looking forward to putting all this content on the community, adding it to the 100-plus hours of content that's already on there. There's an incredible amount of content available covering every every topic under the sun now on the community. So if you want to be part of the community, you want to access this content but for me, more importantly, be part of our community. You can speak with the other members through our WhatsApp group. So once you become a full member of the community, you get access to our WhatsApp group. You've got hundreds of practitioners in the group to put the performance questions out that you might be running through in your head. You've, you've got a community at the touch of a, of a button to reach out to and run any issues by any questions you might have or just to get experiences from different people on different aspects of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis if this sounds interesting to you and you're not already a community member the good news is you can get yourself a free month by going to footballfitfed.com clicking the community tab at the top sign up to the community you'll get 30-day free trial after that free trial you become a full member paid member on the community and then that is when you get access to our members WhatsApp group, as well as all the great content that's on there and coming over the next few weeks as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself up there and get yourself a free 30-day trial. Here's part two of the podcast with James Redden. I think a lot of it from what you're discussing, it's you knowing where you fit into that support for staff and players as well, isn't it? Obviously, yeah. you've already said it's very different from club to country, but yeah. you, it sounds like you're just aware of where where you can have that impact. Yeah, I think that's um, you know as a, as a club grows, like Luton club grows, like not everyone is the is the guy driving the ship, you know, but everyone has an impact on that, and um, I think that's super important, you know, like without everyone, then that, the ship doesn't keep going that way, you know. So um, yeah, I think. Like I said to someone the other day about being a polyfiller coach and filling in the gaps, you know, just being the guy that, but there's real merit in that, you know, there's real yeah. merit in, in being that guy, you know, because um, like it, it takes a certain skill set and it takes an experience to be able to go, yeah, I can do early stage rehab, but also I can look after nutrition or if you need me to take a warm up, I'll do that, you know, and then 
and then go away and, and adapt to, okay, this is what international football needs. It's very different to this, you know, like, um, yeah, I suppose I feel quite proud that I can, I can adapt like that. I suppose also from a player perspective, that's really powerful for them to know that you're the person to go to for the list of like areas that they want to discuss as well. That it's not that yeah. you just look after this area, but they can come to you with different questions. And and I suppose that crosses over to both, doesn't it? Working with a club and working with an international team. Yeah, I think the big one in the national team is I'm the only guy, you know. So I'm the nutrition guy, the GPS guy, the warm-up guy, the gym yeah. guy. So um, you need to be able to be strong in all those areas. And those players ask such intelligent questions because they, they want to get better and stuff. So you need to be across it, you know. And footballers can weed out jokers if they if they hear one you know so you need to be genuine with your answers as well so um yeah i i, I think like there's a I, I, I try not to sound like an old guy because I, I, i'm 34 but i've been in football for 10 years or whatever things go up and down you know so when i first joined there wasn't loads of sports scientists fitness coaches whatever you want to call them so so everyone was a generalist and could do everything yeah. And then over the years, we've got specialists and, okay, this is our GPS guy and this is our gym guy. But I think there's real merit in everyone being able to do everything and, and having a department where if any four people need to take a warm-up, they can, or come in and do the gym session or download the GPS or help out with supplements. You know, I think that's, I think there's real merit in that. And you can still be excellent at all of them, you know, yeah. but it, it, like... I don't think you need to narrow yourself down to, to to one area, you know, like it limits you a little bit, maybe. Yeah, that's a great point. The other thing I wanted to touch on is as we record this, we're sort of at the time of year where, well, we're edging towards the, the new season, but we finished the season. It's been a time where a lot of coaches have reflected on the previous season, probably the performance of the team, but also the programme that, that they've been running throughout the season. Do you have a... And I'm probably more talking about the, the club environment now, but do you have like a practice that you would go through to look at the previous season and what that would what that would look like in terms of changes going forward as well? Yeah, so I think it's probably like it's really important for me to say that um at Luton, Gerald Robert Smith runs runs the first team programme. So I'm I'm there to support him. So this is kind of really his bag. So I I, I hope he doesn't mind me kind of um touching on what he does, but um, yeah, at the end of the season, we'll get together as a department and review what's gone well, what's gone badly, how how we think we need support as individuals and, and how we can develop as individuals, but how we can also develop the department um, and review that. And then that's almost like the check-in each at the end of each season. You know, we look back to the previous one and and hopefully use that check-in at the end of the season to to drive some, some things for pre-season. Um, and then... And I think it's a continual process as well, isn't it, across the season, you know, like if you've got good communication between staff, you're kind of constantly reviewing and iterating and improving the programme as things go. And like that might be from me looking at the periodised nutrition programme, you know, and going like the lads aren't, they're not taking the beat randomly. Like why are we putting the beat randomly now, you know, or how can we drive that, you know? And then at the end of the season, taking a bit more of a step back, and going, okay, that didn't really work, but we improved it across the season by doing this. Let's try that from the outset next year, you know. Um, so there's definitely a reflection. I think there's a, there was a reflection as a club across um, the season before where we we got into the playoffs, but um, we kind of maxed out to get into the playoffs and, and lost in the semi-finals at Huddersfield. Um, 
we were really fortunate in the season just gone that, that we'd got into the playoffs with a few games to spare. And um, Rob, our manager, spoken a lot about how the club approached that period where we were already in the playoffs, but we had three games to to manage ourselves for the playoffs started. Like we didn't want to pick up any injuries, but we wanted to keep winning and how that, like, I think the club did a really good job of looking back on what we did before and going, maybe we didn't quite get that right or we picked up a few injuries and we probably needed a bigger squad and, and more squad depth because this championship's so brutal, you know, you're going you're gonna to pick up issues. So how can we account for that? Maybe have a, have a few more players to, to select from, you know, so we're not, we're not tied to 12 players or so. So, um, yeah, I think that's another way of, of, of getting a, a little win as a club, isn't it? You know, good processes, reviewing things, improving them. I think that's, um, that's the way to succeed, isn't it? Kind of constant iteration. Definitely. Does it make it harder in a way, though, having such a successful year last year and, and getting that promotion? Then you're reflecting on the programme with your staff and looking at it as, from a physical perspective and going, right, what do we, what changes do we need to make? Are there any changes we need to make? But in the back of your mind, you've just got had an incredible year, promotion. Is it not just like a, too tempting to go, right, cut, paste? Or are you just constantly looking at that and saying, right, what do we stick? Do we... Do we twist? Like, what, what's the difference? Yeah, I think probably maybe the promotion makes it a bit easier in terms of we know we need to go up a level. Yeah. You know, we know everything needs to go up a level because we've gone up a level, literally. Um, so I think that kind of probably keeps you honest, you know, and going like, wow, we've got like, Jared's got to set a programme up now that, that prepares the first team squad to tolerate Premier League football and, and not just tolerate be competitive because it's mm-hmm. one of our strengths, you know, our physicality is one of our strengths. So we can't just survive. We've got to be good at it. So um, I think probably there's, there's the two elements of it. What didn't go great last season? How can we improve that? But also now we're here, what can we add on? You know, what, what can we add on that maybe we've wanted to add on for a bit, but um, haven't been able to. Now's a great opportunity to take, take this up a gear and, um, Jared's been great at that. Checked in with all of us at the end of the season and said, "Like, what, what do you think we need as a club? What do you think we need as a department to improve?" He got a big list together. Went to the club, and the club have been brilliant. The club have been amazing, you know, supporting us and and backing us and um, and supporting that, which shows trust in us, you know, and and also um, investment in the club. You know, we've got a, an amazing new gym space, and we've just been lucky enough to kit it out with some great kit that we needed, you know. So. Um, that's going to help us this year, but it's also going to help us in the next 10 years, you know, it's a, it's a Premier League facility now that is. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, that's how we ha- we've got to improve. We've got to improve. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. You mentioned sort of the physicality there and we've, we've talked about that rise throughout the leagues and everyone will be aware of the sort of demands put on players from championship, but then another step up into Premier League. And you've also spoke about this approach you're taking now from academy, getting players through to first team. So what are some of the important factors that you've focused on across the programme where you've gone, right, these are the areas we need to focus, especially with younger players, to really get them ready for that step up? Yeah, that's a really good question. And like, that's another challenge because last year we were preparing academy players to be championship players and now we're trying to prepare academy players to be Premier League players, you know, it's that's another level, you know, and, and I actually think probably over the last, in, in my four years of being here, we've probably done quite a good job of getting the boys to the level where they weren't far off the first team, you know, the, the 21s, 18s, they weren't far off the first team. 
we didn't have a 21 squad here till um two seasons ago so that's even our thing you know that so um but we i think last season we got to a point where it's like okay i think these programs are comparable you know i think the academy program is comparable to the first team and and supported that with with data and testing and okay actually there's a gap here and sprint distance across a week we're not quite matching that up this is how we need to improve in the academy to hit that um so we've just gotten to that point. <laughs> we've just gotten to that point of tolerating the championship, um, a championship first team, and now we've got to take it up a level. And, and I think it's about refining that process now. Like those boys, we've probably got uh, five, six, seven players that are in our academy that that are imminently could have a chance. You know, train around the first team, and and now it's honing in on those five, six, seven first of all to say, like, okay, how can we give you the best chance? And what are the gaps in your physical profile that don't match up to the first team squad, but also we know the intensity is going to go up and we probably need to work a little bit more on, on speed and power and maybe a little bit less on the extensive markers because my experience of the difference between the championship and the Premier League is it's a bit less basketball yeah. in the Premier League, yeah. but when it goes, it really goes, you know, so <laughs> like you probably need less of that transitional running and, and the capacity to be able to do that, but you need to be sharp and athletic and over 10, 15, 20 metres, one, be able to move your feet so you can accelerate, but then when you accelerate, you need to accelerate properly, you know? So um, I suppose maybe that's helped. We've gotten to a good point where, where they can they can tolerate that extensive work and now as part of their development, we're sharpening them up a little bit, you know? But um, yeah, it's a great challenge. It's really, really fun. Yeah, but and just on that point, if anyone's not seen it, I've seen it over on Twitter this week. Um, some of the camera footage that they've had on players in pre-season, and yeah. in terms your way, you're talking about like the speed, and I know it's pre-season, but even still, you get yeah. a real insight, don't you, in terms of what you're actually preparing for? Yeah, that's one of those moments when I, I watched it, the same thing, and you, and I'm lucky to have been around football, but. People that think oh, I could do that, you know, and then and then you watch that video. The the amount of time you have on the ball is nothing, is it? You know, like the yeah. and 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 the speed of thought that those boys have to have. It really really highlights that, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I was going to say as well for obviously this step up now. If there was a need to sell the program or to develop buying with players, which I'm sure over the time that you've spent um going through the leagues and developing the program it's probably come less and less hopefully but if there was that need with these younger players do you find that they're naturally just ready to take that step up and i don't necessarily mean in stepping into the first team i mean just in, in terms of their preparation in general that they're right i need to do the extra now i need to step myself up physical and be ready because we are now premier league yeah yeah for sure like and i think uh first of all i think we've done a good job of pushing that as a, uh, through the academy into the first team and as soon as those boys drop into a first team training session something switches because they realise yeah. you know um, and I think there's a natural progression as a as a young pro where you come in as a first year scholar within six months you realise the importance here you know because we just hammer it we just drill them away like this is really really important and then I think when they train they realise the importance of it and then I think when we start having Premier League games and your pitch side and you can see the speed of it, I think another thing will switch again, you know, because there's one thing us banging on about it and telling them like, this is another level. Then the next thing is them seeing it, you know, and 
I think when you see that live, and because we're lucky, we've got a tight pitch. You know, you're you're never that far away from the pitch at, at the Kenny, so you, you you can see it really up close. The speed of movement and the athleticism of of um, of the Premier League, like you don't need to sell it. Not that uh, we've got a great group anyway. You know, like they're they're really good with that. And um, if anything, you, you they kind of come and grab you. You know, they come and grab you yeah. and say, "What can I do? You know, what do I need to do?" And, um, I've had, I had that yesterday with two players, you know, coming up to me and, and saying, what can we do extra, you know? So um, that's a, it's a great culture that's developed. And again, it just comes from the club. It's not, you, know, you can't take credit for that ourselves. It's the culture of the football club. It's brilliant. You'll obviously get the insight this year into the Premier League and again, the speed of the game and all the rest of it. But do you find that that 21's role and witnessing the players and the matches that you've been involved in there, has even enhanced you even more or prepared you even more as a practitioner to then have that discussion to players? Because that's essentially what you're comparing to, isn't it? Some of the, yeah. These are some of the best players in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and every time I go on camp, the first the first session, I always, I'm always like, wow, okay. Mm. Because it's just a shift, you know, it's a step. Yeah. And, and, but like, you know, ball speed, control, touch, everything, uh, aside from their actual physical attributes, you know, like the the... the how quick the ball moves and then quick, how quick you have to move your body to, to deal with that situation, you know, is is um, is definitely a step up. But And it's like a, it's a nice constant reminder for me, you know, that, okay, that's the level, that's the level, that's the level, you know. I think you could probably, if, you, if you're in the championship, you think, ah, oh, this, yeah, I know it'll be a step up, but yeah, it's a step up. But like, wow, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proper step up, you know. But the, 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 one of the really interesting things from the tournament was, the the Euros tournament, I think because the boys were technically brilliant, they did really well. The intensity of those games was low. Those the the 21s games for anyone that saw it, like it wasn't it wasn't basketball. It was a little bit slow, slow, slow go. But um we controlled the game really nicely, you know, which um helped us control the intensity of the game and the byproduct of that because we ended up having six games in 17 days. Mm. The boys could play five of those six games in 17 days because the physical toll from each game wasn't that wasn't that high, you know, just because technically they controlled the game and 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 um they, they did brilliant, you know. So um and maybe maybe the training, the intensity of the training then prepped them for that. It didn't take that much out of them because we trained at a real intensity. So the game didn't feel like didn't feel that hard because it was never that intense, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing there's lessons to take from even though that's a really intensive period, isn't it? I'm guessing there's lessons to take into this next, this coming season as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like the one one of the things that everyone's really looking forward to here is having one game a week, you know, like we haven't, <laughs> yeah. we haven't had that. So like the, the the ability to train Saturday to Saturday and have a proper schedule without having games every three days, we can get some proper work in there, you know. Speaking to a few of the lads here that have played the Premier League like, that, and asking them about the physical cost of it, like they say it takes a lot more out of you, you know, like each game takes a lot more out of you. So mm. you rest, you rest when you rest and then you train hard when you train hard and it becomes a little bit more like that, you know, whereas because the championships every three days, it has to be kind of a level, you know, whereas Premier League is, is going to be a little bit more undulating, I think, in our, in our training load because we need to work really hard then we need to recover really well. Um, so, yeah, I think the recovery was massive at the Euros. It was, it was a huge part of our prep and everything because there was there was a general thought that if we recover better than every other team, we should do better than every other team. You know, if we if we if we keep winning games, um, 
and and we do a great job of that here actually because we've had to in the championship. So that's just gonna we're just gonna turn the dial up on that again. You know, the, the post game recovery. Just going into the the next season as well. Do you find that we're talking about those sort of Saturday Saturday weeks or with the single game weeks or whatever it's going to be? Those players that are probably just outside that starting eleven that need that development, possibly some of the younger players. Do you find, are you looking at it thinking actually this is a real opportunity to get more development development into them this season because you don't have that relentless schedule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the players that are playing and the players that aren't playing, both of them, you know, like there's been a few players that we've really wanted to do extra like speed and power work with over yeah. the last few seasons. You, like when you're playing every three games, you're kind of constantly under a, a little level of fatigue when you're recovering. Like doing speed and power work, you can't do that, you know, like you can't even gym-based, you're like you're not going to be working at the velocities you need to to get proper power adaptations, you know. So you just end up having to sacrifice it. But yeah, it's it's going to be really nice to be able to get some work in. You know, that, that's what we love. You know, we love working yeah. and 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 getting players better. You know, physically better. So it's a really nice platform for us to be able to do that with the Saturday to Saturday. Brilliant, James. It's fascinating. Really fascinating. I could probably talk about this all day, especially that sort of club and national team comparison. I think yeah. it's it's amazing. So thank you for covering that. What I would say before we just go on to the the quick five questions in a second. Jared was on the podcast way back, episode 72. So anyone that wants to go and check that out, you can go listen to him. I know it's been a long time since then and hopefully he'll be back on soon. Um, but yeah, anyone that wants to go and listen to, to Jared and some of the work that he's done at that point, they can go and check that out. Um, are you happy to go on some of the quick fire questions just to wrap us up? Yeah, yeah let's go Brilliant. through it, man. Yeah. So I always ask the first one, who've been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? So I worked under um, Nathan Gardner at Tottenham. Nathan Gardner was the head of sports science when I when I joined, um, and he was amazing for me. Like as a practitioner, as a mate, you know, look, we're still really, really close. He's he's kind of honed me into the practitioner that I am now. And then and uh, um, yeah, it's a good guy, diligent, hardworking, amazing on the grass, amazing on the grass. Um, so yeah, without him, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am. I don't think. And then really lucky to work. Um, with Mauricio Pochettino and his coaching staff, Jesus Perez is his assistant manager, um, and it, it was brilliant. Showed me, showed us at the club another way of of working and conditioning and working in the gym, and and did a really great job of um, kind of marrying an English way of working, conditioning wise, with with a European way of working, and and. Um, so it was it was a great program, and the, like the Chelsea guys, hopefully if they're if they're still in that, they're, they're lucky to have that. And then more recently, Ben Rosenblatt's been amazing for me. Ben Ben's been brilliant over the last eighteen months. Like he's one, I think he's a top top practitioner. Two, he's a he's a great guy. He's a great leader. Really emotionally intelligent guy, and um, really provided me with like good scaffolding to to take that twenty ones role, but let me run it. So like it was, it was he, he he managed me really well. I can't speak highly enough for him. Yeah. Awesome, James. What would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, I like to think uh, a kind of a, a, an emotional intelligent leadership skill. I think is works really well with staff, players, but also coaches. You know, I like uh, I think I I naturally like to think that I'm quite good at that and quite. Um, Quite able to 
to work with players and 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 read them and get the get a good buy-in from them because of that, you know. And then I think like it's um it goes without saying that I think you've got to be good on the grass, you know, you've got to be good at doing the work outside, you know, looking to be a great leader and good with numbers and all that. But um working under Nathan at Tottenham, he was brilliant and and taught me so much, you know. So yeah, I'd like to think that the work on the grass is all right. <laughs> brilliant. If you were able to speak to the James back coming out of Loughborough Uni, freshly qualified, what would be your top bit of uh, career advice? I think it's, it sounds a bit cliche and it sounds a bit obvious, but like just dive in, you know, like I think there's everything, dive into everything. And, and if it feels scary, it's probably the right thing to do, you know, and yeah, like that's, that's a, it's a, it's something which if any, anything feels a bit big, you know, it's like, no, no, that's, that means it's right, you know, dive in and do it because, you might struggle and you might not be great, but you'll you'll learn so much more. You know, staying comfy is is okay for a bit, but like for too long, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's great advice. And then just finally, we talk about CPD continued development as, as a practitioner. What's your approach to that now? It's it's really interesting because I think it's changed over the last eight years. You know, at, at the start, I wanted to get as many badges as I could. And, and dive in and go to different courses and soak everything up. And then and then I felt like I maybe hit a bit of a wall with that or maybe like there was a saturation point and, and I really liked going to um, conferences and, and picking up little bits from people and, and speaking to people around that. And now I've come a bit more full circle around to, to doing jobs and getting stuck in, you know. So mm. England's been an amazing CPD for me. Yeah. It's been an amazing... Like I've learned more than I would at, on any course or anything. So getting stuck in and trying new things along along with speaking to good people and getting good feedback. I think that's the best CPD. Like if, you, if you're reflective and and you kind of take on board um, improvements and, and keep trying to adapt, you know, then you're going to learn more than you're going to learn from anyone else, I think. That's a really interesting point, especially how it sort of progresses through your career as well. How you, how you start with a certain approach and then it changes. Yeah, and I think it's probably right, isn't it? That at the start, you just soak everything in and take it all in, and and then and then it gets to a point where you decide, like, I think I've, I've got the majority of the information now, and now I need to decide what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. And then probably the last few years has been like, okay, let's implement that and work out if I like it or I don't like it, you know, and and just by doing, doing, doing rather than rather than listening. Yeah, brilliant point. Absolutely brilliant, James. This has been fantastic, mate. Thank you very much That's for coming on. Um, if people just want to keep up to date with what you've got going on or they might want to reach out, ask questions, is there anywhere you'd direct them for that? Yeah, I suppose Twitter's probably the best place for that. So, um, oh my goodness, I've got to remember it now. I think it's at underscore James R underscore, something like that. I'll post Not it in the show notes so people can catch you on, on your Twitter. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah. No, but thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate it. Obviously, uh, it's been an incredible me. season um, yeah. and all the best going into next season as well. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Let's have a go. I hope you enjoyed episode 250 with James. I certainly enjoyed the chat. It was brilliant to have him on the podcast, especially at a time, like I said, coming off the back of such a successful season. It'll be amazing to see how Luton do in the Premier League this year as well. And also all the great work that's going on at the FA in England too. So big thank you to James for coming on. Go and give him a follow over on Twitter. He was right with his handle. It's underscore... James R underscore. Um, you can follow him on there and keep up to date with what he's got going on. 
takeaways on this one the first one which i loved he talked about the disneyland experience and that's in um, referring to coaches experiences sometimes of being at some of these big clubs that have got all the tech all the technology all the facilities and obviously that is amazing but he also mentioned about when he moved to Luton, it became real. There's some different challenges cropped up. And I think for me, the takeaway on that is picking up different experiences. So we've said about it a number of times before, but if you are at one of these big clubs, that's amazing. You're going to gather some incredible experiences. But alongside that, could you be picking up some part-time work at a, a lower level club where you're going to have some different challenges or a football league club where there might be some different challenges, uh, not not so many for facilities available, um, the logistics might be a little bit different, and I think that that just develops you as a coach massively. He also said, when we talked about the culture, that it's not actually written down anywhere. I think a lot of the time when we think about culture, we think about oh, the, this is these are our morals, they're written, there's ten of them, like they're all on the wall. This is what we abide by, which is great if that if that works at a club. But like he said, I think a lot of places that you go into, it's more feeling the culture. There's little things that they obviously do on a day-to-day basis, the way they act, the way they speak, that isn't written down, but people will buy into it because it's what everyone else does. And that can obviously go the other way as well, which I think is really important. So I thought that was really interesting. It's not written down. The culture is just what they do on a day-to-day basis. You can't really define it, but it's obviously there. And it's obviously having a a great impact on the team as well. He also said about um, the importance of being a generalist as a practitioner. So we talk about specialists a lot, dealing with different aspects of, of preparation, but in his roles, his experiences that he, he has really needed to be that that generalist. And obviously now in this position that he's in, is stepping into different roles at different times, different responsibilities. And that is that generalist approach that he's able to do that. And finally, he mentioned about if it feels scary, it's the right thing to do. And I think that's from a practitioner point of view, from a CPD point of view as well. That might be having a discussion with someone that you might find a bit intimidating. A lot of the time, they're not the the conversations that end up being intimidating at all. And it's what you sort of thought about in your head and you you end up taking a hell of a lot from it. So I think I agree with that 100%. Putting yourself in those positions, whether that's working with a certain squad, um, speaking to someone, gathering some sort of different experience. I think the scarier it is, the better it'll be in the long term. You'll come out of it learning something without doubt. So I think that was a great point by James and something that people can apply in the day-to-day or in the approach to take, like definitely across all levels of coaches. So I hope you enjoyed this one. I certainly did. Um, I'd be keen to have James on again. And also, like I mentioned in the episode, I know James is keen to say that Jared Robert-Smith is doing some incredible work at Luton as well. So you can go and check out his episode, which is episode 72. It's a long time ago now. Um, that'll give you a little bit of background on Jared, but obviously doesn't take you up to current day. And hopefully we'll have Jared back on the podcast very soon as well to tie in with this episode. And we've also got a little preview. We will have some of the coaches that James mentioned in the episode working on the in the international um, arena with the uh, national teams hopefully on the, epi- on the on the podcast over the next few weeks as well so keep an eye out for those coming very soon on the podcast and again thank you for your support 
Go and check out our sponsors, The Good Prep, Rezzle and Hytro, all doing some incredible work. And I'll speak to you next week in episode 251.